Welcome back to Women Blazers. I'm your host, Deanna Witter, and I want to thank everyone for listening in. In this episode, I'm excited to have Michelle Kajawara as my featured guest. Kaj is the Senior Vice President of Premium Sales for the Staples Center at AEG. The Staples Center is the sports and entertainment center of the world and home of four professional sports franchises, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Los Angeles Kings, and the WNBA's Los Angeles Sparks, as well as the host of major and high-profile events of national and international distinction. In this episode, you'll hear how Kaj landed a job at the Sable Center by chance and made it her choice to grow her career from an entry-level coordinator to now leading the premium sales success. There are many things I appreciate about Kaj, but one of the main things is that she holds nothing back and that she is proof that a key component of great leadership is a transference of positive and authentic energy. Someone told me one time, when you go to an interview or you go to a, a, a business call or a, uh, a meeting, like, don't bring your purse, right? You bring your purse, that thing falls open, your tampon rolls onto the conference table. You got a binky and a bottle and a vibrator. <laughs> I don't even know what's in some people's purses, but like, don't do something that's going to distract from you. All right, Michelle, so you went to USC and received a degree in communications. So what was your plan in college post-degree when you were pursuing that? Well, you know, I didn't actually have a plan. I just wanted to go exploring (laughs) for a little while. I um, chose communication because I just enjoyed talking and engaging with people. So I didn't have a direction or a strategy for anything that I did in college or after college, to be completely honest. Um, I moved to Tahoe for six months with some friends and worked on a um, ski resort. And then um, for the other six months of that year, I moved to Hawaii before I came back to LA and actually started looking for a full-time job, not even a career, just a full-time job that wasn't waitressing. And so (laughs) I actually don't often think about what's next or what, you know, my future could or should look like. I've always just very much just lived in this mindset of what feels right for me right now. And that has Mm -hmm. given me an opportunity to live a very authentic life and to also not get really caught up in not hitting the mark. Should I have set something for myself, you know, down the road? I know a lot of people do. And the way that I've lived and the way that I kind of look at what's next has never been guided by um, kind of future-proofing myself. It's just live in the moment and go. Oh, all right. I I think it's funny. I think it's funny you have a communications degree because you might be the most like, like energetic, (laughs) communicative person. You know, you're just like a social butterfly. And to think that you went to college for something that you're just like naturally good at is funny. Just staying in my lane. You know, that was, (laughs) I was like, I'm horrible at math, probably like, you know, the worst Asian at anything mathematically related. I, I am not going into science. Um, some of the other options were just so far fetched for me that I'm like, yeah, this is good. I think I could be okay here in communications classes. What was that breaking mm-hmm. moment for you to get into sports? And if you can share just maybe a little bit about like, how did you, how did you like get the position into AEG and start off your career? Yeah, I, uh, I had moved back from New York after 9-11 and didn't know what I wanted to do. So I actually temped 
for an entire year, looking at different industries, talking to a lot of different people, trying to find something that I could get excited about. And there just wasn't really anything um, that stood out to me. And so uh, as I just kind of continued on that journey, my mom, who's a Lakers season seat holder, said, you know, this building Staples Center is really cool and it's just got great energy you should work there doing something. And I was like, okay, mom. (laughs) And she put it in the universe. Literally a week or two later, she was at some event and um, a mutual connection to me and my mom was there and said, what's Michelle doing now? She goes, she's not doing anything. She should work at Staples Center. And he goes, I know somebody, get me her resume and you know, I'll do what I can. And that was it. I, um, forwarded my resume, got an interview, and I quite literally took whatever job was available. I didn't know what I was interviewing for. I had no idea it was in premium at the time. I did know it was a service coordinator type role. Uh, But outside of that, I just said, you know, this looks like an opportunity for me to get into a organization that's pretty dynamic, pretty energetic, really new, and has a massive platform. So I can bank on those things. And so I took the job, but coming into Los Angeles, I had a lot of sales experience living in New York. So that's kind of where my heart was, but I didn't let that stop me from looking at this as an opportunity still, albeit in a different role, but it, it served me well in the long run. And so I'm so glad that I I just took it. And that's like one of the biggest pieces of advice that I could give anybody is you don't always get the job perfectly gift wrapped and ready for you. Sometimes you just have to identify the other things around that job that you want to have as part of your professional career and take a position in that company and start navigating and networking and showing people um, what you're capable of. So when that position does open up, you are so much more primed than somebody who's going to send a resume in or try to go for the job. You know, we love to promote from within. And so just getting into the organization and by the way, learning another skill set, like that doesn't hurt. So um, that was just something I felt right about at the time. And obviously it's, it's paid dividends. And as you mentioned, you started off in premium service and that was kind of that, that first role, but later you transitioned to sell to sales. Like what inspired and motivated you to make that move? I started in, in service. I wanted to start in sales, um, but actually learning service and getting to know all of our clients made me such a better candidate for that sales job because I had a leg up on expectations and relationships and referrals and all of these things that I wasn't even thinking about being applicable to when and if I could transition into sales. But I got in, I worked my ass off in service. And then when the opportunity to be in sales opened up, which is where I knew my heart was, I was able to quickly Mm -hmm. um, transition over. Was there anything that you were doing while you were in that premium service manager position um, from the sense of just like self-development to prepare yourself for the sales position and keep your sales um, skills? Yeah, you know, it wasn't really a, uh, we weren't really conditioned at that time to sell to our clients so much as it is now just (laughs) with recommendations around upgrading or adding on and making, you know, um, kind of suggestions for other products. Um, that wasn't the culture back then. So I think the way that I Mm -hmm. stayed as, um, sharp as I could on the sales side 
was to, I was just constantly talking to clients. I made as many visits as I possibly could, where I think a lot of times um, people feel safer in the office. And if it's not part of what your job description is to see X amount of clients or do X amount of outbound, like that was so natural for me. Like I had to go be with people and make connections and develop those um, relationships. And that is, I think what served me really well when I did go to sales. Cause I had, you know, a really great baseline of, um, connectors and, uh, referrals. And that, that helped me, I mm -hmm. think, um, just get a jump start once I moved over. Yeah, definitely. And then, and, and obviously with service too, you, you learn some skills on the relationship side. Absolutely. So relationship selling is, is, is such a yes. great connector. Um, and something that we sometimes miss, you know, as we go up the path from a, a traditional sales path, we almost miss the the benefits of relationship 100%. selling um, that you really learn on yeah. the service track. And, you know, I was just trying to do everything I could while I was over there. I think a lot of times I just became um, bored a little bit because it's like, okay, I did my job. I got through that. Like, what's next? Right? Like when you're in sales, mm -hmm. there's never an end to how much you can sell. There's never a, it's never right. finite, right? Like it's like go as far and as hard and as long as you can to get as many <laughs> sales as possible, right? Like when you're just putting menu orders in and there's just a finite amount of work, um, you know, I just yeah. was like, okay, well, what else is there? And so I kept reading. I kept reaching out to clients. I actually got up from my desk because I was like, okay, what next? And I would walk around and talk to other people in their, you know, at their desks or offices. And I think in that way, that also helped me because that created some visibility that created a little bit more connectivity to some of the other departments and an appreciation for what um, other people were doing to um, help make us successful as revenue generators and servicers of these of these clients. And so those are the relationships that um, externally and internally have served me so well over the yeah. 17 years, right? Like, don't just stay at your desk doing what's asked of you, like, get out and do as much as you possibly can and engage as many people um, as possible, because you're just going to continue that learning curve, that network. And, um, and I think that that really helps uh, as you're trying to build your career, which I wasn't even cognizant that I was doing at the time. What is it about premium and sales and service that you personally love? There's a lot of people, as you know, that are navigating sure. kind of like what path today. I just love mm -hmm. how dynamic it is, and especially in our market and what we do here at um, at Staples Center because we have four anchor tenants and we have such a robust concert and special events lineup where we could do you know over 250 events in a year, right? Like it is dynamic, and so the challenges of the team performance, the ec economic climate, uh, strategies based on different leadership, the technology. Um, and just perspective. I mean, those are constantly shifting. And so I just love that there's never a routine year or a reliable course that you can bank on every year. Like, all right, this is what happens now. It's like, <laughs> no, you have no idea what's coming at you. Right. And if you look at 2020 as a perfect example, <laughs> you, you know, we came yeah, out of right, the gates right. with, you know, some pretty heavy stuff. We were we were all downtown for the Grammy Awards, and that's when we found out about Kobe, cut to, you know, his memorial service, cut to, you know, COVID-19. And 
the unscriptedness of, you know, this is extreme, but no year ever looks the same. And with player acquisitions and lockouts or um, economic fallouts, these are big things that we have to react to. And I feel like every year we get a big one and we get some other little ripples also. And so um, that's honestly what I love about it. And, and it's just trying to get the right people and the right processes in place so we can react um, as best we can to whatever's coming at us. And, uh, and I think just the way that um, everyone I get to work with at Staples Center and AEG and, and our department specifically, uh, how nimble they are and how willing they are to pivot on a dime has just, um, has just been a really a testament to me of why they also enjoy being in this environment. Because if you don't like that, then this isn't for you. Kasha's climbed the ladder at AEG over a 17-year span. Navigating up comes with unique challenges, but requires perseverance, hard work, and consistently delivering on results. I think it's because I've been able to survive and then somehow uh, find a way to thrive under certain uh, circumstances that are not ideal, other circumstances that are. Um, there's certainly been a lot of bumps in the road where um, I've gotten passed up for a promotion or I've had to work in a challenging atmosphere or um, just faced with insurmountable challenges. Um, I could have easily mm -hmm. um, walked away. I could have also, and I did, look at other job opportunities because I thought, oh, well, you know, I really want, uh, I want more money. I see some of my colleagues are making more money. I want more money or I want a bigger title or I want, you know, some of these other things that were a little bit more um, of a vanity play than really wanting to actually leave the company. LA is home for me. And I have found that mm -hmm. our company and the things that have been thrown at me are things that I want to conquer. And I have developed this kind of um, inner grit that like, you can't, you can't break me. I, I almost want to prove to myself and to, um, and to people that I work with that, like, you can get through anything like, and it's been hard. And I think now at the end of it all, um, 17 years later, um, I can look back and go, yeah, man, I really had to get through some tough stuff, um, but I've wanted to, and it's allowed me to grow. And then it's also given me to look back and say, um, that was, that was worth it because that was an incredible growth spurt. And so all the good stuff that, that comes, mm -hmm. you know, eventually with being tenured and having equity in a company, right? Like those are all the byproducts of just all the wins that I got being in it for as long as I have. And then I look at the professional side of it is that our company has grown like exponentially more than I've been able to grow in yeah. my, in my yeah. job. Right. And so mm -hmm. I've never had to leave premium because <laughs> all around me, these things have been built up. LA live is built up. We've created this incredible model for like, you know, a live entertainment district to be complementary to the anchor tenant across the street, right. Or the anchor building across the street. And we've mm -hmm. replicated that worldwide now. Um, so that, that used to be my surface parking, right. you know, spot and, you know, now it's Tom's Urban <laughs> or whatever. Um, so you look at how the company's grown domestically, internationally, with our teams, with our content, with um, all of these platforms. And that has helped, you know, not just broaden our footprint, but our conversations with clients. 
um, and the cachet of being able to work with brands and teams and associate with so many different verticals has really given us a lot more of, again, I go back to it, but a dynamic uh, conversation and, and, and just position to work from. And so I, I feel like that's, that's really kept me engaged and alive um, within just, just premium. Right. And so, yeah, I feel very, very yeah. fortunate. You know, one thing you said was, you know, when you've, you have explored, you know, external opportunities um, that might um, provide you with um, maybe the increased pay or the titles that you were looking for, and you came back to AUG um, and would navigate um, the opportunity there. What was that process? Did you did at that point did you share those those uh, desires um, with you know maybe somebody above you or your your leader? And you know how was that perceived? And then how have you been able to kind of navigate up the ladder, um, expressing the things that you? That is such career? a great question because it's slippery. <laughs> yeah, you got my Oprah. That, that is such a Oprah slippery Oprah. one, right? Because I think it depends a lot on who your leadership team is, right? And um, is. I think on yeah. one side, I shared with one of my bosses that I had an opportunity and he was able to help me dodge a bullet. I said, I'm not coming to you for leverage. Mm -hmm. I'm coming to you for, because yeah, I need advice. And because I need, I, I want to be yeah, transparent. I'm not looking for any reason other than like I was approached and I just want to know what I should do. And, um, and I feel like that very candid conversation, A, got me some respect with that boss at the time. It also helped me, right? Like, why wouldn't you engage if you have that kind of relationship? Somebody who's more senior than you to understand who the leadership is at this potential other opportunity if they know them, which they probably do. What would that culture look like? How would that mm -hmm. fit for me? Do you think this is the right move? And ultimately, and I try to lead like this too, you want what's best for that person. And if that means leaving your flock, great great. Go let them have an amazing career. Help right. them with it. Right. It's like dating. Don't, don't continue dating me if you're looking around or if there's something else that you want to explore, <laughs> right. Go do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're go doing do, me go and you a disservice, else. but like staying in this relationship, like beat it. I'll help <laughs> you. So I think like that's the better way to lead. Right. And I think exponentially everybody gets so much more out of a not sitting there and taking the seat away from somebody else who really wants to have that position. Right. And then also like the more great people that you can put out into the, to the ecosystem, the better. Right. And, and, and that just, I think is mm -hmm. ultimately the greatest good that can come of, of, of being transparent. And then I think the other side is that I've also looked at um, other opportunities and been able to come back to leadership and say, after the fact, right. Like I wasn't really looking, but I just, yeah. you should know, like I, I looked at this opportunity and it was pretty great. And at a very calculated point in time, you can go in and say, I think I'm, I should be earning more. And here's why, right? Not because yeah. you've just leveraged another position, mm -hmm. but because you're saying, Hey, I'm doing some of my research. I'm getting some other asks and getting noticed and I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, going to come to you every year with a, Hey, I need a, a pay increase. But I think you get one or two opportunities to go in and really say like, Hey, you know, I've kind of been doing some market research and this is where I think, um, I should be. 
um, you know, and this was harder too back in the day because there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, equality conversations. There wasn't a lot of like, you know, companies auditing um, some of some of these things. And so um, you have to just go at it, which I have in my entire career, not as like a a woman or an agenda or anything other than like, hey, I just think that um, I'm worth more than what I'm currently getting paid. But here's why. And, and really providing some concrete reasons mm-hmm. why um, you deserve more and, and how you're going to continue to grow the business and the revenues and all the other things uh, that come with that added responsibility mm-hmm. and added, you know, compensation. No, yeah. absolutely. You have to know your value and you have to be able to conf- confidently um, express that in a way. And I think that that's why you talk about relationships internally. The relationship so you important. have with your leader is so important. You have this sense of comfortability to go in there and having these maybe mm-hmm. more complicated conversations um, as you're exploring and navigating your path and what you want and what you believe that um, you've earned and deserved um, based on your contributions and what you bring to yeah. the Yeah, and the grass and isn't always greener. Forward, no doubt. You know, we look for such instant gratification no, now. Right. And I think you've got to really take some time to... Um, measure up what it is that's most valuable to you about where you are and then what it is about those other things um, that you think you want to go for. And is it for the right reasons? Um, And so, like I said, you know, if you've been passed up for jobs or if it took you longer to get the promotion, so what, right? You're still learning, you're still growing, you're going to be that much more capable and that much more, um, you know, the obvious choice when and if it happens, um, but do things for the right reason. And I think that usually lands you in a, in a good place. So, you know, everybody who I know who knows you, especially people who work for you, have nothing but great things to say about you as a leader. And I just want to want you to share a little bit about what you love about leadership and how would you describe um, that, your leadership style? I'm really enjoying leadership for the components outside of um, the tactical skills inside of premium and our business that um, I can try to bring to our team on a personal level because so much of that contributes to their professional success, right? We're doing so much like we're having so many conversations around sleep and meditation and exercise and diet and just the wellness conversation is so present in our office Because if that's not part of your regime, like we could have a great business plan, but if you're running on two hours of sleep, like you'll never be able to execute. If you're not taking care of yourself and showing up in your best self, like you're never going to be able to perform at the level that like we expect and we need you to. And so we're really able to introduce a lot of other conversations into um, the workforce that I think are so important. And I've really been enjoying that journey along with obviously all of the, you know, hard skill sets that we have in the office, just around our metrics and KPIs and all that good stuff. And, you know, I, I would describe my leadership style as bumper bowling, which I'm sure you know well with three kids, right? (laughs) So I want everybody to get up to the lane and throw that ball however they feel, their style, their confident, their whatever, throw it however you want, right? And everybody's going to come up with a different approach, right? That's natural to them. 
I'm there as a leader to make sure that I'm the bumpers in the lanes. So we can throw as many strikes as we can. We throw some gutters, we throw some, but I'm never going to let you get to the gutter, right? But I'm going to either, and some people get really off track. So that nudge back into the center of the lane is a little harder. For others, you know, they might just need a gentle, Mm -hmm. you know, tip or two to guide them back down up the center of the lane. And, you know, all we want at the end of the day is to throw as many strikes as possible. And my job is to let everybody do that in their most authentic way, in whatever style is most complimentary to them and let them throw it and and be there as a guide and somebody that can just gently bump them back into the middle of the lane. Right. And that for me was like, Oh, that's, that's it. Right. I don't get in anybody's shit. I don't try to micromanage. It's really more about like, how can I be somebody that can gently guide or if I need to aggressively guide, but like get you back in, um, into a form that's going to create the most efficiencies and the, and the best results, but do it your way. You have been a mentor and an advocate for the growth of women in the sports industry. What is your approach to mentoring? I've been a little bit more deliberate about it. And for the last almost three years, I have a scheduled mentorship call every single week with somebody that's reached out or that I can follow up with or that. And if it's not a mentoring call, I'm trying to connect with a colleague in the industry that I maybe haven't talked to um, in a while. So I'm constantly trying to create some touch points um, and and learn. And, you know, the mentoring is great because I feel Mm -hmm. like I can give back, but also there's so many times that I actually get so much more out of the conversation um, than I think I'm giving. And in so in that way, that's become a very intentional part of how I continue to mentor and try to give back because that just wasn't a part of the landscape uh, when I was coming up. So I think it's kind of kind of awesome now. And, uh, and, you know, just in hiring and even with my colleagues internally, like I am constantly trying to put any woman that has an, uh, an interest in working in sports in front of as many people as I can and just trying to cast a wider net instead of saying like, okay, you know, boom, found somebody great. It's like, okay, great. Keep that person, you know, marked where they are, but like, let's, let's go another round. Let's see if we can't cast a wider net and see if we can't capture a woman that's equally as talented as this person and give them an opportunity. Right. You still got to be qualified for the job above all. Right. But it's it's just get more people involved in the conversation. And I think women need to get more involved in the conversation. Like I can't hire you if there aren't any resumes coming through. And so it's it's, you know, kind of right. You got to start from below and push women up so that they're represented and they're in the in the stream of things. And then it's also just taking a little bit more time and being more deliberate about getting some diversity into um, the conversation. If there's one Instagram page that I envy more is yours. Thanks. (laughs) Your lifestyle is just absurd to me. I'm sitting here with three screaming kids and you're like in like, like Bali. Like, I don't know where the hell you are at most of these pictures. And I'm just like, so how do you manage this lifestyle of a very busy executive, um, you know, sports mm-hmm. executive, and then being also like a travel enthusiast? 
we call it work to live That's and we passion. actually do this yeah. in the office where we just come together and talk about travel, right? It's like, what do you do outside of the office that fuels you and like re-energizes you and gives you, you know, just like that passion and um, to work, right? And to earn money so I can go do these other things. Um, so it's really important yeah. that we work to live and kind of not the other way around. And travel has always been something really important to me since I started in AEG. So I've been very intentional about taking vacation and unapologetically, um, you know, using that as a platform to say, if you don't take it, no one's going to give it to you. Right. And there's never a good time ever. Now, right. don't get me wrong. I take my laptop with me on every trip and I'm logged in every day, but probably for like an hour or two. Right. And you can condense a lot of work into that. And the time zones sure. help. Right. Because you can't be bothered when you're when I'm on my computer and it's two in the morning here. Nobody's responding to me. So yeah. I just put it all back out there and then I like go to the beach. Um, but you know, I, I think you have to find that, um, that harmony, right? I don't use balance ever. Cause I think that's just such a farce. There's just no work-life balance. That is just, that doesn't happen. You have yeah. to find some kind of harmony or blend. And I've been able to do that with travel. And so I am very intentional about mm -hmm. taking as much travel. And like you, our company is super generous in giving us two weeks off for those that can. Now we have a lot of people on the operations side that can't. Uh, but for those that can to take two weeks off. Um, right. And so when I can, I go and I want to make sure that my staff and anybody that knows me knows that that's a priority and I make it a priority. And sometimes that means when I come back from that vacation, I'm paying for that for the next three weeks. And that is, that is a grind before <laughs> and after, but I need that to restore my soul. And, uh, and so I probably take about two big trips internationally a year. And then once a month, I usually get out for like a weekender and do something locally. Um, I also don't have kids, right? So I, we have two dogs and my husband is um, from Brazil and also a huge travel enthusiast. And so that's something that's like really important to our relationship and, um, and, and to our, our lifestyle. And so we've been um, blessed that, that we can do as much as, as we've been able to do. Now, this is a new segment where listeners are sending me questions through my Instagram page at Women Blazers. I'm going to call this new segment Blazing Questions. This is the Blazing Question. I get positive feedback as a seller, but after a year, I'm still very nervous and have anxiety all the time about selling. I can't become comfortable being Good. uncomfortable. Um, I think the minute that we get comfortable, that's when you start to yeah. uh, lose a little steam and or uh, lose a little bit of your edge. So I love being yeah. uncomfortable and I love that that's exactly where you are and keep that. That's the, that's the edge that you want, right? That's going to propel you forward. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing too is, so many women have that imposter syndrome, no matter what, right? Like where you are in your career, it's like, am I good enough? Am I actually doing this? Am I actually credible? Can I actually, you know, close that deal? Of course you can, right? But you got to like fake it for a little while before like you start to get that confidence and you start to kind of build that reputation. And that goes a long way, but you have to develop that for yourself. And there are going to be a lot of times still, you know, for me that I'm like, oh my God, how is anybody even listening? to me. Like, I feel like that, 
kid that was painting her nails at the reception desk, you know, 20 years ago that doesn't really have any credibility or talent or right. whatever. But like, I've got a good attitude and I can make you feel good and we can have a conversation. Um, but yeah, that, that creeps in all the time. And I think that's really healthy. I think you also just have to have a great network of people that aren't just going to be like, yeah, sing your praises, but like are going to hard check you and be like, you're okay. You're okay. And if you weren't, I would tell you. Um, and, and, you know, you sometimes need to get that like ego run in every once in a while. I talk about that with skiing. It's like, I'm not just going to try to like get up on the, you know, the hill and take a black diamond first run of the day, take a groomer, right? Like take an <laughs> ego run. It's okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all right. It's all right. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think the, the discomfort you feel if you're somebody who feels uncomfortable in that sales process, but yet you are selling and you're getting good feedback from your leaders. Like, yeah, there's something about that. That's a, that's a, mm -hmm. that, that's your brain or your heart sending you a message that you want it really bad. Um, and just like being tuned to that right. sometimes the uncomfortability isn't a negative message to yourself. And maybe you should be looking at it a little bit differently that that discomfort is, um, you just want to be really good at it and you want to succeed. And so that pressure kind of builds yes. up. And at the end of the day, you know, with pressure creates diamonds. So like, like be like, accept that. You know, what do you wish you knew at the beginning of your career that you know now? About this one. And I kept coming back to like nothing. I don't, I, I don't think that I would have wanted my career to have been any different than it was. And that is owning all of my mistakes. I've had some close calls. That means um, staying really authentic to my path and to my gut and to that thing inside that I know and trust so well. I think too many times we bypass that for um, what everybody else is doing or some general think tank about like how much you should be making and, you know, at what point in your life you should be married and how many kids you need to have and what is generally prescribed for somebody that fits into this box or this category. And I've just never been um, in that. And I'm so glad for the journey without it. I'm sure there's so much advice that I could have used, um, <laughs> but I'm so glad that I, didn't have it because I've been able to own all of the bad and the good. And I've been able to kind of trust that thing inside of me that continues to guide um, all of my decisions. And that I feel is a muscle that we don't always, um, we don't always work. You know, there's so many other things cerebrally or, you know, just in, in talking or getting, you know, something prescribed to you, but like just actually doing something because that's what felt right. You know, like that, that for me is, is the secret mm -hmm. sauce to, to success. So, so yeah, there's really nothing. And we didn't have, I'm sure you remember 17 years ago, 20 years ago, it's not like there was, you know, yeah. mentors out there going like, Hey girl. Like, I, I got you. Like, you're actually like, you're setting, up a, you're setting yourself up for, you know, disaster here. Like, you might want to change course. I, I just kind of learned uh, along the way and gotten a lot of bumps and bruises. But like, I'm so glad for that. Um, and so, yeah, nothing there. 
what advice do you have for sports professionals um, who want to I follow in your path? When I read your questions, I, I put it into I put it into four buckets. Put it into I put it into four buckets, and these are the things that I talk about all the time, right? Like one is getting out of your comfort zone. I learned that through traveling um, by myself um, all over the world and um, mm -hmm. pre 9-11 and getting out of your comfort zone is so important because you take chances, you ask a ton of questions, you have to be an explorer and you've got to be vulnerable, but you also have to be really, really brave. And if you can apply that to life, so many doors will open up to you because you're just exploring and you're open to doing things that just are completely out of your, your, your comfort zone. And so I think that that's, that's super, super important because then you wouldn't have taken chances that, you know, because you wanted to stay confident in your abilities, but like, no, you can, you can be bad at something and still, you know, learn a, a great skill from that. So getting out of your comfort zones, number one, um, I always say, stay humble and hungry, right? I, I just think that, people who have inflated egos and, and uh, become very arrogant. And that's a really dangerous place to be is to have that hubris and to think the rules stop applying to you. And so that humility piece mm -hmm. for me is really important. You see politicians and presidents and CEOs, like everybody has succumbed to that hubris and have taken huge hits to their careers because like, yeah, maybe that, you know, you think it doesn't apply to you anymore because you're at the top of your game, but staying humble and hungry and, you know, celebrate wins, right. but acknowledge that there's a lot of people that actually helped you accomplish them. Right. And don't stop learning or assuming that you've really mastered anything. Like I still sit through our sales trainer classes, you know, that I've heard a million times because there might be something in there that I could still learn or things have changed and I need to like get more caught up. I mean, there's always something that you can take away. And, you know, I feel like everybody teaches you something. So don't um, just look to gain knowledge from like senior people, um, but engaging with as many people from as many different like walks of life as you can, right? Like not even in sports. There's so many conversations that are applicable to what we do that are outside of our industry. And the more that you can incorporate those voices into what we do, I think the better, even on, like I mentioned on my mentorship calls, right? You don't have to always talk to senior people to get the good stuff, right? Like talking to people that I mentor, like I come away with great ideas and perspective all the time. So staying humble and hungry. The third, three, third thing is um, to be interesting or curious, right? Like you have to be one or the other if you're going to maintain a conversation mm -hmm. or develop a relationship, period, end of story, right? If you're neither one of those, like where does the conversation go? Nowhere, right? You got two people who are boring and um, not curious <laughs> about, about learning anything, right? <laughs> there is, so there is... <laughs> Yeah, yeah that like, you know, so I, yeah. I just look at that and go, look, if you're going to be interesting, you're reading, you're traveling, you're observing, you're questioning, and you're participating in all the things that life can throw at you, right? There's so much out there. And then if you're curious, you ask questions, you, you're actively listening, you're present, and you have a genuine key there, genuine interest, right, in gaining knowledge so that you can be more interesting. Yeah. The more you listen and the more curious you are, the more that you start to develop your own kind of uh, repertoire and your own ability to come to the table with something really interesting, right? So I think it just is, is such an evolution that like to mm -hmm. be interesting and curious, like it continues to evolve and feed on each other in the best possible way. 
And then I think the last thing is to be a resource, right? Build your network and be the connective tissue that amplifies relationships, right? Develop synergies, um, create collaboration, help businesses, um, and become somebody that's valuable and and really a priceless commodity. Like you can't buy somebody to say like, let me introduce you to this guy. Oh, based on our last conversation, you could benefit from knowing this person, right? And like grabbing those two hands and well, maybe not now, but but like, yeah, maybe setting up a Zoom call <laughs> for those two people, them. right? Like the power of those connections is yeah. so important. Yeah. And if you could be that conduit yeah. for as many people as possible, man, great things happen and it just, it, it explodes, right? And then that's when people start looking at you as, wow, you gotta, you gotta talk to Michelle or Michelle knows, or I'll even buy a premier seat because you seem like somebody that, you know, I need to start talking to and, and maybe you can connect me to some other people. And those connections can be game changing, right? For a business or for, you know, just a conversation or just for some solidarity around a, um, you know, a unified issue or, mm-hmm. or something. So, um, so those are the four, right? Get out of your comfort zone, stay humble and hungry, be interesting or curious and then be a resource for women maybe where the spin can come in is just that like you might have to do more of all that right and that's okay because at the end of the day you're you're investing in yourself so like so what so what you had to wait longer for the promotion you're Mm -hmm. better so what you had to go work harder you're better for that like so what that you like whatever like all these things that can be seen as a negative like i just looked at it as a hmm why did i get passed up i better double down i better do more be more and achieve more so that next time there is no other choice right and at the point that you do get that look right it's like oh shit yeah she's been she ready And that's a wrap on episode three. Thank you for listening to Women Blazers and thank you to Kaj for sharing her journey and insights with all of us today. Look forward to episode four dropping on Monday, May 11th, featuring Allison Roscoe, the Vice President of Corporate Partnerships for Austin FC of the MLS. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to share this podcast with anyone you believe would enjoy the conversation. And I also encourage you to follow the podcast on Instagram at Women Blazers to stay connected. Until next time, I hope everyone has a great day and great week.